Weekend Warrior every Saturday morning from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. On ESPN LA 710. Dedicated to you, the fan who works hard all week and slugs it out on the court, the field, the big box store, and the honey-do list all weekend long. And helping you cope as you come to the realization you're not 19 any longer. Here's board-certified orthopedic surgeon Dr. Robert Clapper. Good morning, Los Angeles, and welcome to another edition of the Weekend Warrior Show. I'm your host, Dr. Robert Clapper. I'm an orthopedic surgeon at Cedar sinai for 33 years. Wow! I'm so excited for today's show. I was away. This week I was working, and I'll tell you all about the unbelievable cases of surgery that I did and the patients I met all week long and the surgeries I did this week. But the week before, which is why we had a best-of show last Saturday, and thanks to the great Rebecca Womble and Tyler for putting the show together, I'm back surfing the North Shore of Oahu. It was remarkable. I was at a place called Velziland. The power and the waves of the North Shore of Oahu are like no place else in the world. It was awesome. And you know how much surfing means to me. It allows me to do the intense work that I do as a surgeon for 33 years. You need the yin and the yang in life, and for me, that's surfing. But it made me think all week about the guest today which thanks to the great Jared Abrams, lined up, and his name is Jason Schneidman. Jason has a heart of gold because Jason spends a lot of his time giving haircuts to homeless people. He's been on YouTube. People all know about it. And I cannot wait to talk to someone who does this as a big part of their life, helping people that are less fortunate, which is really what I do with my life and what I want all of us to do as a weekend warrior nation. I feel like I'm not Robbie Clapper, I'm Rabbi Clapper. That each of us go out and find a total stranger and do something nice for them. So at 8.15, you don't want to miss my talk with him. But it made me think all week about hair. At first I said, Jared, what am I going to talk about, hair? You crazy? Oh my God, what an unbelievable topic this is. Because in the world of art, in the world of sports, and in the, my world of surgery, there ain't anything more powerful than actually hair that's on top of your head. And in my case, the statement of not having any hair on top of my head. The world of art our world, our culture. Go look at the haircuts of the Egyptians, of Michelangelo and the Renaissance. This statement you make to the world, the first impression you make is what you look like and the only thing you can control. I can't be six foot nine like LeBron James. You can't control the features of your body, but you can control your hair. And that's the statement you make from a distance. That's the first impression you make. So in the world of art, in 1964, two Broadway actors, struggling actors, got together and said, forget about doing Broadway shows that someone else wrote. We're going to write our own show, our own musical, even though they didn't know how to write music. Is a taste of one of the songs that changed the world we live in because the name of the musical was Hair. That's right. This may be the fifth dimension singing it. But the folks who wrote the two guys, the three actually, the two songwriters, James Rado and Jerry Ragney, they teamed up with Galt McDermott. The Age of Aquarius. Why did they write hair? What was the power? What was the significance of hair in 1964? 
1964 in America, we had a ridiculous war called the Vietnam War. Nobody wanted to deal with this. We still deal with war in this day and age. But how did you resist the war? Because the first thing you did when you got drafted was they cut your hair. How did you tell the people around you, I don't believe in this war. I don't want to do it. You let your hair grow long. Forget about becoming a hippie and all the rest of it. Your statement was through your hair. The power of hair is immense. And the songs that came from that musical, the statement it make, are relevant all the way into 2022. And what about in the world of sports? My love for art, my love for sports, and my love for surgery. I look for the topic to be the same. Well, in the world of sports, a hometown hero, USC, had a safety named Troy Palomalu, a proud Samoan. Troy Palomalu didn't just play football for himself. He played for all Polynesians and all Samoans. And the statement he made was through his hair. You're going to hear a soundbite from Terrell Ruggs. Suggs, sorry. One of the toughest linemen for the Baltimore Ravens. In a, in a news conference saying, oh my God, you knew what was going to happen when we played the Pittsburgh Steelers. That four-minute offense, we were scared out of our minds because I looked across the line and saw number 43. That was Palomalo's number. He says, but then I saw that hair. Yeah, that Samoan, beautiful, flowing hair because what Troy Palomalo could do was, the hell with the line of scrimmage. He was so athletic. He's still alive, but he retired. He's in the Hall of Fame. But he, there are plays, he jumped over the entire line to get to the offensive, the quarterback, the running back. He put the fear of God into those guys, no matter how big and strong and 350 pounds. He was, he was 220 pounds, five foot 10. But he was a Tasmanian devil. But he did it as a proud Polynesian. And you're going to hear, I could, I could play sound bites of his Hall of Fame speech. I can play sound bites of the many talks he's given on behalf of USC. But of all the things I've ever heard Troy Palomalu speak about that touched me was when he was inducted into the Polynesian Hall of Fame and talking about being a proud Samoan, learning from his uncles and his brother who raised him. That's where that hair comes from. And in my world of surgery... Trust me, I don't have any hair on top of my head, but guess what? We are so afraid of the power of hair and bacteria that it has that even a guy like me with no hair on top, I still got to wear a, a surgical cap. You got a beard, you better cover your face because we are in fear of the power of hair. So it's a crazy topic, Jared Abrams. But boy, I cannot wait to get into it, and we will. And at 8.15, Jason Schneidman's going to be calling in. We also have a special treat at 7.45, Andrew Bernstein, the NBA photographer for the Lakers for 40 years. From the days of Showtime and Shaq and Kobe, and he's been there for it all. Well, they had a Showtime reunion, and Michael Thompson went, the, our beloved Michael Thompson. And Andrew Bernstein wants to call in at 7.45 and tell us all about it. So that's going to be an unbelievable moment for us but I want to talk to you a little bit about and clapper vision oh boy I can't wait because yeah I can talk about Tua and I'm happy to my heart goes out to him and all of us watching what happened on the field but the the clapper vision that I really want to get into because I'm a Rams fan and it involves the San Francisco 49ers who we're going to play on Monday Night Football because they got a quarterback now 
that puts the fear of God in all of us Ram fans, and his name is Jimmy Garoppolo. But with Clapper vision, I need you to understand why he's still a 49er. Because they had Trey Lance. They got their superstar, their rookie, grooming him. Shanahan knows he's the future, right? He made that statement. He's our future. Of Salichus, thank you very much. Ankle fracture, he's not going to play this season. Thank God they kept Jimmy Garoppolo. But you know why they kept Jimmy Garoppolo? Because he was actually on his way out to the Washington Commanders. But they pulled the plug on the deal because he had a shoulder injury. That's right. He not only injured his shoulder, he had to have surgery on his shoulder. Is he going to be okay? What exactly happened? Guess what you need? You need Clapper Vision to understand what the hell is a torn shoulder capsule? Is that a rotator cuff? No. Is that a torn labrum? No. Is that a biceps tendon? No. Is that a fracture? No. I mean, I can go through the list of 100 things that can happen to your shoulder because this is the only radio show in America hosted by an orthopedic surgeon can, who can give you clapper vision so you can understand what the hell a torn capsule is, which is, by the way, the same injury Julio Urias had. It's not a dislocating shoulder that we saw with Kevin Love with the labrum tears. No, it's the capsule. So here's a clapper vision. You ready? Clapper That's right. Steve Paulette's going to love this. You go to Gelson's. They have on sale a watermelon, and it's a big watermelon. You buy it. You're at the checkout counter. What do they say? You want paper or plastic for the bag. You still can't believe they charge you 10 cents for this nonsense. But it's a big watermelon. Well, they don't have any plastic. They just have paper. You put the watermelon in that beautiful paper bag with the handles. You know what it's like. You lift it up, boom, you tear the, the, the paper. Think of the watermelon, Clapper Vision, is the ball, okay, of your shoulder, the humeral head. The socket, the glenoid that, that keeps it in place is that paper bag, right? The watermelon is confined in the bag, and if you lift up the handles, you can lift it up. But it's such a heavy watermelon, boom, you lift it up, ah, crack. You're starting to tear the watermelon hasn't fallen on the floor yet, but you know, uh-oh, this is too much for the paper bag. Damn it, I wish I got the plastic one, but no, you got the paper one. It's tearing. The capsule, the paper bag that holds the watermelon in place, that holds the ball in the socket in your shoulder, the paper bag is ripping. That's a torn capsule, okay? Oh, my God, is it painful. How do you now keep the watermelon from falling out of the bag? You know what you do? You immediately know, because this has happened to you if you're listening. You're a weekend warrior. We've all been there. You cradle it. You take your two arms and you fire your muscles and hold it from the bottom. You don't hold it by the handles so you can support the watermelon. In fancy words, the paper bag is a static stabilizer of the watermelon, of the ball in the socket in your shoulder, a static stabilizer. The muscles that fire around your shoulder are dynamic stabilizers. So you can keep your shoulder in place, even though it's torn, by firing your muscles. So supporting the watermelon, I thought about this uh, as I'm taking a shower this morning. Uh, you know, what's going to be a great clap? This is an awesome clapper vision because now you understand you dynamically fire the muscles in your arm and you can carry that watermelon from Gelson's into your car because you've got your muscles firing, dynamically supporting it. Well, that's what happens in your shoulder. You tear your capsule. Your shoulder doesn't dislocate because the muscles around it can fire to stabilize it. But when you rip the paper bag, you rip the capsule, it hurts. So surgery is to patch up the paper bag, patch up the capsule. And guess what? He's going to be just fine. And we better look out on Monday night. 
All right, coming up next, I cannot wait for you to hear the power of hair in the world of art, the world of sports. Troy Polamalu and the musical from 1968 of Hair. What a show this is going to be. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warrior Show here on 710 ESPN. The number is 877-710-ESPN. You'll call in at 8.30, and I'll take your calls then. Check this out. Weekend Warrior is on the air. From the epicenter of sports in the Southland. ESPN LA 710. With Dr. Robert Clapper, board-certified orthopedic surgeon at Cedars-Sinai Health Associates. What's going on, LA? This is Kobe Bryant. That's right. Mahalo. Aloha. Start your weekend off right. Listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. Ahui hoy. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN. 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. Whoops, there's my voice. The Age of Aquarius. We're going to get into that. But right now, I want to get into the sports. The power of hair in sports. His name is Troy Palamalu. He's 41 years old now. He played at USC from 1999 to 2002 and had an incredible Hall of Fame career just with the Pittsburgh Steelers, no other team, from 2003 to 2014, won two Super Bowls. And he had that hair, a proud Samoan. I want you to listen to a play where only to Troy Palomalo would this happen. He's tackled by the Kansas City Chiefs by his hair. And actually, there was a penalty. Dan Deerdorf can't even believe it. Listen to the play. Quick pass over the middle, intercepted Palomari. Palomari to the outside. 40. Midfield. And pulled out of bounds inside the 40-yard line. Well, Larry Johnson tackled him by the hair. Larry Johnson, and look at the players. They're upset about the way Johnson tackled Palomari. But what are you going to do? And I, we've got a flag that's been thrown right there in the middle. Larry Johnson, Kansas City Chiefs, he grabs him, he tackles him. And then he realizes he's got a fistful of hair. He pulls on the hair. Listen to what happens next. Greg Gumbel and Dan Deerdorf can't believe it. Also, unsportsmanlike conduct, number 69, Kansas City. The penalty is declined. 15-yard penalty from the end of the run. First down. Well, there isn't much positive for Kansas City on that whole play, but there is the look, and Johnson drags Palomalu down by the hair. Well, I have to tell you that I did not know that that's a penalty. <laughs> Larry Johnson attempting to make a tackle. He gets nothing but the handful of hair. <laughs> This is a problem Dave Miller and I will never have because there's no hair to pull on. But isn't that incredible? The statement that Troy Polamalu is making with his hair as a proud Samoan, but it also put the fear of God in people. So this is Terrell Suggs. This is one big, strong football player at a post-game news conference talking about the Baltimore Ravens, the team he plays on, and the fear of God of lining up against number 43 and that hair. I mean, everybody, I think watching TV at home, everybody in the stadium, y'all know it. You see 43 at the line, four-minute offense, you know, he's coming. And it was just like, man, I hope we got a plan because, you know, it just, it just didn't feel good when I saw that hair at the line of scrimmage. When I saw that hair at the line of scrimmage. This is a lovely interview, and I want you to hear the soft-spoken nature, the proud man that Troy is, even though the interview is trying to get him juiced up about his hair, 
He he knows it's silly, Troy. Certainly the way the interviewer's pointing it out, because it means more to him than just I have long hair. But I want you to hear Troy respond to this question. I'm here with all-world Troy Palomalo, and I don't say all-world lightly because you're the best defensive player in football, and you have the best hair of oh, any no. athlete. <laughs> Welcome to the show. <laughs> That's some pretty high compliments there. I wouldn't agree with you, but uh, thank you very much. Here's some more. So, Troy, consider these names. Steve Nash, Randy Mouse, Ron Artest, Dennis Rodman, Manny Ramirez, Sean White. Where does your hair fall in the pantheon of awesomeness <laughs> in that list? <laughs> I could tell you I have the most expensive hair. That I can guarantee you. Okay, well, yes, we know about the insurance policy, absolutely. That's right. It's insured for more than these other people who colored their hair and cut their hair funny or had dreadlocks. But it's really more than just his hair to Troy. It means that much more to him. Honestly, I'm probably the least competitive person as far as competing really? against other people at ping pong or pool or football, for that matter. I've always thought that um, the competition with me was within myself and never really an exterior battle against somebody else. Remember me. I pray thee and strengthen me. Samson, Judges of 1628. There was a big story in the, I think the Post-Gazette in Pittsburgh this morning about how he's continuing to search inside his mind and, and look at his faith and he's, he is a very thoughtful young man. He is a very thoughtful young man because now I want you to hear him speaking at the Polynesian Football Hall of Fame, honoring him. But here's where you can see the relevance of what long hair and his type of hair as a Samoan meant to him. He is an awesome football player, but he's so kind and has such humility and he gives credit to the roots of being a Samoan, which is part of why that hair was so long. Respect and humility are the crux of the Polynesian mentality, and my fellow Polynesian brothers have always exemplified these virtues. I'm proud to be Samoan, and have been blessed to have the opportunity to share my culture with the world through football. The teachings of my heritage passed down to me by my Uncle Salu my Uncle Kennedy, my brother Kyle, shaped my adolescent psyche to remember and live by the tenets of the Fa'a Samoan way. The Fa'a Samoan way. That's where the hair comes from. The strictings of hard work ethic combined with respect and humility are what made me a Samoan, a USC Trojan graduate, and an NFL player. These same traditions not only contributed to the success of my sports career, but also molded my overall way of life outside of football. Being a Polynesian means putting God first and understanding that every action we make should be done with his favor in mind. If we are to live by this standard, then humility and gratitude in all we give and receive is essential. That's why he can play the way he does. He's so grounded and so centered because he's a proud Polynesian with long hair. Finally. Humility is not a simple action that can be turned on and off. It is a way of life. I learned from an early age whether I got a touchdown or I fumbled the ball, my reaction was to be the same. Keep my head down, get back in the game and try harder. Never be satisfied and always look to improve. Never celebrate yourself or show anger or complain when you make mistakes or don't get the ball. Be unselfish and willing to make sacrifices to achieve greatness. At 8.15, my guest calling in, Jason Schneiman's going to explain why the power is in hair, because that's what he does. And whenever I see Troy Palomalo from now on, I'm going to think of this song, which we're going to get into next, where it comes from, the musical. But this song is called Hair.
Coming up next, we'll get into it. The world of art, the power of hair, the musical from 1968, but it was written in 1964. What does hair really represent in the world of art? I'll explain. Coming up next, right here on the Weekend Warrior Show on 710 ESPN. Check this out. Weekend Warrior is on the air. From the epicenter of sports in the Southland. ESPN LA 710. With Dr. Robert Clapper, board-certified orthopedic surgeon at Cedars-Sinai Health Associates. What's going on, LA? This is Kobe Bryant. Oh, my God. That's amazing. Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. I'm still quelling. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN 710 home of your Los Angeles Lakers. I'm dedicated to all the nice folks in NATO. Mm. Oh, I marched to the Battle of New Orleans at the end of the early British Wars. The young land started growing, the young blood started flowing, but I ain't marching anymore. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. That's the one and only Phil Oaks, a folk singer from the 60s. Talking about not wanting to fight in the war. And he's really all about the Vietnam War. How did you tell people how you felt? You did it by letting your hair grow long. And that was starting to happen in the early 60s. And two men, two struggling actors, James Rado and Jerome Ragney, got together in New York City as they're walking from one theater that they're working at to the other, taking whatever jobs they could get as actors. And they can't help but seeing in the East Village of New York the demonstrations, the marching, the picket signs against the Vietnam War, the tie-dye shirts, the burning of the draft cards, and the long hair. So the two of them said, you know what? We need to capture this feeling and let's write our own Broadway show and let's make it a musical, even though none of them knew how to play an instrument. Can you imagine? That's how great things like this can happen. One of the songs that came from the show they wrote called Hair was this one. Let the sunshine in. I want you to hear an interview with James Rado, the man who wrote those lyrics, who wrote all the songs. And he's being interviewed so many years later, decades later. And he's asked, what's the relevance of hair in 2022? Listen to his answer. <laughs> but I, but I, was, I was thinking last night, uh, well, if, if I am asked that question, what is my answer now? And I'm, um, mm. I, I, I saw something last night, and I can't remember what it was, but, uh, oh, I know what it was, uh, 19, a production of 1984. Oh. And which I, it's a, sort of the diametric opposite yes, of hair. Yes, it is, yeah. And uh, I, I thought, you know, there is that type of mentality in the world that exists in 1984 and in our world, and I think uh, hair is a vital piece to remind us of what happened in the 60s. I'm so, the thing that I'm most proud of is that we did capture that uh, movement that happened. Yes, you did. You could make the case that uh, had that movement, that spirit of the 1960s, that hair captured, had that not happened, you could have had a 1984 world. You could have had a totalitarian world had you not had civil rights movement women's uh, rights movement coming out in the 60s that really breaking away from uh, um, sort of an older yes. America at the time. <laughs> um, I'm curious, uh, Galt, can you take us back to the very, very beginnings of hair? 
how did it come together? I mean, where did the idea come from? What's the first song you wrote? Well, we, well, yeah, well yeah. the idea came from these guys, Jerry and Jim. And I met Jim first. Jerry didn't want to meet me. He wanted Jerry Jim. Ragney. Jerry Ragney. He I don't remember that. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, he didn't want to see me. He wanted Jim's opinion. <laughs> so I met Jim. And then Where Jim, did we meet? At Nat Shapiro's. Oh, yes. But but you but you and Jerry Ragney had been working on hair for quite a while before you met Galt. Oh right? yes, we we basically kind of finished uh, a workshop. We had yeah. a, we had a script. And it, we we needed the music for the lyrics, yes. which existed. Right. So, so we've been worked on, we're working on it for about two two and a half years. Right. So wait a minute, you had no composer when you were writing a musical. You had no composer, and you didn't know how to play an instrument. That's correct. <laughs> but uh, but I had dabbled in uh, I I had done uh, some musical shows myself in which I had actually composed music. So we were doing dummy uh, melodies for the songs. Mm. We were kind of. Singing them, you know. What did you think of those uh, <laughs> those those dummy I melodies? I used to take a day to forget them. I'd say, okay, <laughs> I got to forget these melodies. <laughs> but did you have the lyrics that now exist, Jim? Did like this, did "Good Morning Starshine" and "The Dawning of Aquarius" and, and you know? The, yes, they were. You all, had all those there. Yes, yes. So this was really poetry that you and Jerry Ragney had written. Yes, but they were intended. They were structured as songs. Yes. They were to be sung. They were intended to be sung. Yeah, but he didn't know how to play an instrument. What inspired you and Jerry Ragney to, to take on this piece about hippies in the first place? Well, I guess uh, it just hit us in the face. We, it was right there in front of us. You were down we in the East Village, we, we, yeah. we were down in the East Village. We were up on Broadway doing shows, and uh, then we were in an experimental theater. At off, La Mama, right? <clears throat> no, not no, La, La Mama, Mama, at uh, the Open Theater uh, the open on theater, Spring yeah. Street, mm -hmm. one of the first lofts, yeah. artistic lofts over there. So they're walking from theater to theater, and what they see is the statement that long hair makes. It means you don't want to fight in the Vietnam War. So we were interested in experimenting in theater. We, we, were, we were doing sort of straight Broadway plays, Shakespeare or whatever. And um, then uh, there's this other movement, this experimental theater movement happening off Broadway and, or way off, off, you know, off loft, yeah, you could say. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, we were very intrigued by that, but suddenly as we were going between the two places, the two locales, we would see these things happening on the street. People were marching by with picket signs and guys were growing their hair long yes. and all these incredible costumes that they were wearing. And the and children just hanging out, yes, young people yes, hanging, yes, out, yes, yes. hanging out, So, that, this was so a, it really another, came from what you saw, just yes, wandering the city. Yes, it was another form of theater happening in the street. And that's when they sat down and put these words together, got Galt McDonald, McDermott, I mean, the songwriter, and made this revolutionary musical that is still relevant to this day. Suddenly there were young kids who dressed differently and were wearing their hair long, and they were very approachable, they were very friendly. They held flowers in their hands, and they walked down the streets, and they were crazy, and they were, they were groovy. And Jerry and I, Jerome Ragney, who's my partner, and I were actors, and we wanted to write a musical, and so all of a sudden, there was a confluence of all these factors. The war protests happened. That was the beginnings of hair. Wow, the great James Rado, I think since has passed away. But changed the world, changed the culture because of the power of hair in sports, in art, and in my world of surgery. I just gotta tell you about some surgery that I did this week particularly yesterday. So in 1983, I came from New York to Los Angeles to do my internship in general surgery to begin my surgical career at Cedars-Sinai. You may think you know medicine when you graduate from medical school, but you don't. You don't know anything. You know the books. You know the science. But you don't know what it's like to take care of an actual human being until you start. So these are the clinical years of your training, and it's called an internship. And then you, the years after that are called a residency. And this is before you actually open your office and go into practice. So in 1983, I am fresh out of medical school. And the very first rotation I have is to take care of the sickest patients in the hospital, believe it or not, are the 20 ICU uh, patients in the surgical ICU. Who teaches you now? Do your chief residents, do the other doctors treat, teach you? Yes, they do. But I'm going to tell you, you know who really teaches you? The nurses. They recognize that you have no idea what you're doing yet. 
They know that you're a doctor, that you've been trained, but they also know respectfully that they've got to guide you. And they did. And they took me under their wing. 40 years ago, the nurse that I met when I first came to Cedars, who was so kind and so sweet and so beautiful in my life, this week, yesterday, I did her hip replacement, 40 years later. No, no, Dr. Clapper, I'm not going to anybody else. How that made me feel was just awesome to be able to say thank you and change her life. And her surgery went beautifully, as they always do. But what a great treat it was for me. And earlier in the week, I did a surgery on a man who worked hard his whole life, building jet engines. And out of nowhere, he got rheumatoid arthritis, a big, strong, athletic, strapping man, an autoimmune disease that all of a sudden, his body says, nope, these joints, these cartilages, like a wooden splinter, and you got to reject it. Rejecting your own body part and took this powerful man and put him in a wheelchair. He came to my office unable to walk. I took an x-ray of his pelvis. He didn't just have bone on bone in his hip. There was no hip left. His body attacked it with such vengeance, not cancer but just a vicious type of rheumatoid arthritis. And I could just tell how proud he was and how, in some ways, disappointed he was that he needed people to help him now because he couldn't walk. Well, this week, I took him to surgery. And let me tell you, it was hard. That was a difficult... I had to use every trick I've known after 33 years and 16,000 surgeries. But you know what? He's walking now. He's out of the wheelchair. He did his surgery on Wednesday, and he's already up and walking. It's an unbelievable journey, and it's fun for me to share it each and every Saturday with you, the weekend warrior, to find the connection between art and sports and surgery is just too much fun. Today's topic is a little crazy but I am enjoying it so much, and I hope you are too. The number is 877-710-ESPN. At 8.30, you'll call in. We'll do some Clapper Vision with the Weekend Warrior. But coming up next, we have a special treat because he's a big fan of the show, and we're a big fan of all the work that he's done over the years, bringing us in two-dimensional pictures the world of the Lakers because that's why I'm on this station because this is the official station of the Los Angeles Lakers our beloved Lakers, where Kobe Bryant played. And nobody knew Kobe better than my guest. Coming up next, the great Andrew Bernstein. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warrior Show here on 710 ESPN. Check this out. Weekend Warrior is on the air. From the epicenter of sports in the Southland. ESPN LA 710. Dr. Robert Clapper, board-certified orthopedic surgeon at Cedars-Sinai Health Associates. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. Maganda Umaga. Start your weekend off right. Listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. Umi ihi bang paciente mo. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN. 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Don't you know talking about the revolution don't you know talking about a revolution welcome back weekend warriors that's the great Tracy Chapman love her talking about a revolution she's talking about sounds of res- revolution but the visual the visual of a revolution is letting your hair grow long which is what happened in the early 60s that led to the creation of the musical hair the visual of what your hair looks like. And nobody knows visual better than my next guest, the great Andrew Bernstein. Andrew, thanks so much for waking up early to be with us. 
Anytime, Doc. You know I love talking to you. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. How you, doing? you can speak yeah. about hair. You can speak about Dennis Rodman. You probably took a million pictures <laughs> of that crazy guy's hair. <laughs> yeah, I, rem- I remember actually having hair, Doc. So that was a, <laughs> a story. Tell us but, about uh, uh, Allen Iverson's hair. Like you in your beautiful long career, what's what's Andy Bernstein's interpretation of the power of hair before there were tattoos the players used hair to make a statement what's your take on that yeah that's really interesting doc i never thought about that um you're right they did use uh hair i mean dennis was famous for carving all kinds of stuff with different dye colors Mm -hmm. and different designs you know in his hair um, and then Alan Iverson. A couple other guys with some interesting hairdos. You know, back in the day, Artis Gilmore, as you remember, had the big afro, and right. of course, you know, guys before him. So, Doctor yeah. J, right? The baby hook. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Wow. <laughs> so, tell us what's up about. Speaking of going into the past, there was a reunion, a Showtime reunion. You were there. Tell us all about it. Oh, it was it was an amazing experience. Um, just to be there and be invited was wonderful. Uh, Magic and Pat Riley invited all the members of the 80s Showtime championship team. So there were five championships in the 80s, and they invited all the members to come to Maui, all expenses paid, super-duper you know, first class. And it was a reunion of, of these guys. Some of them haven't seen each other in decades. A wow. um, couple of them were hard to find. Uh, like they couldn't find Chuck Nevitt, and they finally found him somewhere. Um, but it was a true weekend of incredible memories, brotherhood, um, you know, bringing the band back together. And I got to tell you, Doc, the highlight really was they ran through a quote-unquote practice <laughs> You know, they, they call them shoot-arounds, but these guys call it walk-arounds. And, yeah. and, and I call it pre-op. That's what I call it. Yeah. <laughs> well, they were very careful. They were very careful. But, you know, they, they did a, a, a practice like they used to do. You know, Gary Vitti led them in, in some stretching, and then Pat Riley ran through some plays. And, you know, you had Magic fist up, you know, and Byron shooting threes. and But the... the Icing on the cake, quite <laughs> frankly, was seeing a 75-year-old Kareem shooting skyhooks, which, like, everyone was blown away. Wow! They, yeah, it was crazy. Wow. Was Michael Thompson there? Michael Thompson was there, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Was he, he was running playing. up and down the court? He was. He was. Look, the guy, you know, was Did like you take a, a picture of his incision that I made on his hip? <laughs> I did not. I did not. I have to ask him about it. But, you know, it's like taking a 33 RPM record, you know, and running it a little slower than it used to be. But, but God bless these guys. And I'll tell you something, you know, for Magic and Pat to bring them back and, and just have that camaraderie for a week. And plus, the wives, too, all came. And it was just amazing. It was incredible. Wow. That's so incredible. Seeing yep. Kareem do a skyhook. This guy's battling yeah. you know, leukemia or something. He's on, he's in remission with his medication and stuff, but the toll mm-hmm. that life takes on you from degenerative changes of arthritis but to even scarier stuff is yep. awesome. Who was notably missing, though? Um, a couple of guys weren't there. Um, Norm Nixon wasn't there. Jamal Wilkes wasn't there. Mm-hmm. Um Jeannie, unfortunately, wanted to be there um, because she co-sponsored the event, but um, she was called to New York for the Board of Governors meeting, so, you know, duty came first, I'm sure. For sure. And, um, you know, having watched the Legacy show, I I actually just went to the the final screening of that the other night, and a lot of the guys showed up, um, you know, reliving it through through that show, but then also being there with those guys. um, It was truly amazing. I mean, I... it's one of the few times in my career, quite frankly, where I, if, if if I could not have a camera in my face, I would have just loved to have just watched it. You know, right. <laughs> uh, it was just amazing. Well, what will become of it from your perspective, being the photographer? Does it become mm-hmm. a book? What's going to happen with it? Well, we we're, we're going to do um, sort of private photo books for each each couple or each person who was there. Mm-hmm. So I've been working on that. And that'll just be for the people themselves. It's not going to be, you know, mm-hmm. uh, distributed. And I think um, 
Spectrum Sports was there, so I think they're going to do like a, a an hour special or something on sort of their backstage show. But there was nothing planned around it. There was nothing commercial planned. It was truly um, a reunion, a family reunion. And, you know, to get everybody in the same place at the same time is not an easy easy task. Right. And Magic's office has amazing people working there, and they put the whole thing together um, it was uh, it was miraculous and it was beautiful and I hope we can do it again. Magic was talking about doing it again sometime and who knows maybe right. they will. So one last question before I let you yeah. go: mm. When they got on the court, what uniform or if any did they wear? And did they wear their original numbers if they wore a uniform? Well, they wore practice gear, so the, all the guys had. Um, like these custom shirts that had Showtime Reunion on the front. They all had their name and their number that they wore, right? <laughs> um, they had brand-new shoes. They were wearing purple shorts, you know. Oh, <laughs> I, did a te- I did a team photo just like I would any normal year, you know, but it's a much bigger team photo because there's a lot of guys in it. Wow. And, um, you know, it just it looked like a practice. I mean, we went to the same gym uh, in Maui that uh, had been too many times with Magic and Jerry West when they ran their fantasy camp and uh, ran through the plays and got on the bus. Magic talked about how being on the bus was just bringing him back, you know, to the, the time of just took, maybe taking it for granted in those days that you're on the bus with the fellas, you're eating with them, you know, you're doing stuff with them. And then when that doesn't happen anymore, you get a chance to do it one more time. It's, it's unbelievably special. Andy, I hope you took a picture of the two most important players who were at that game in Hawaii. A picture of Icy Hot and Ben Gay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's a good thing Gary was there. I asked Gary, did you bring the bag with you? You know, the black medical bag. He goes, no, no, we're not going to go that far. But, But everybody was great. You know, we came back, and then we had a beautiful dinner that night. And everybody was in, in, in wonderful spirits and great shape. There probably, you know, little aches and pains here and there. But, and even Jeffrey Osborne was there, and he performed privately for the group that night. Wow. It, was, uh, it was incredible. I, I'm still, like, glowing about it. Did people stand up and take turns at the dinner to just say what it, that night meant to them? Yeah, in fact, throughout the week, you know, we were there a week, um, Magic had every single person speak. Um, at some point during the week. And uh, some of them, I mean, all of them were incredibly poignant and moving. Um, you know, Spencer Haywood was there. He just lost his wife about a month and a half ago. Mm-hmm. Um, the love that was there for Spencer and, you know, his story. And some of the guys whose stories I didn't know, you know, Jim Brewer, Jim Jones. Um, the, he asked all the wives to speak as well, which was really important. And, um, Cookie Johnson ran a, a wonderful luncheon for the wives, and uh, it was just a, it was just an amazing event. If you imagine, like your family having a reunion, but then ratcheting it up to, you know, ultra first class, um, incredible dinners. Hmm. I went out, out playing golf with these guys. It was uh, it was something. Was Jerry West or John Black there? No, neither neither of them were there. Okay. Um, uh, That's like I said, Michael Thompson was there. Um, Lon right. Rosen was there because you know he was one of the architects during the, that period, and of course Magic's agent. And um, yeah, there's only a few people missing. I think there was maybe some scheduling things and some whatever, but but uh, you know, about 95 percent of the group was there. The man who put it all together, though, who clearly the ghost was in the room, was Doctor mm. Bus. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean there was. You imagine him in heaven right now, uh, looking down, going, "Oh my God, this is amazing." <laughs> uh, well, next time yeah. you put it together, we're going to call it the Medicare reunion. That's the only thing yeah. I would add to it. Yeah. Well, maybe they could sponsor it. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> all right, Andy. Thanks so much for checking in. We really appreciate all that you do. You're an artist with the camera, and that's what this show loves as artists. Oh, thanks, so. Doc. I'm, I'm getting, I'm lacing them up for uh, season 42 <laughs> about to start. Oh so. my God, season 42. Well. Keep yeah. us posted, and we look forward. Maybe we'll talk to you during the season again, Andy. I would love that. You know, I always love talking to you, Doc. Okay. God bless you. Have a great day All today. All right. Take care. That's the great Bye-bye. Andy Bernstein, the photographer, 42 years for the Los Angeles Lakers.
He's seen it all and documented it all. And his book, The Mamba Mentality, is a must. If you got a birthday coming up or something, you got to have that book. And I will tell you, there's one page in the book he wrote with Kobe. Because he told me, Kobe did the book backwards compared to any other athlete he ever worked with. What do I mean? Most time when you have a photographer, you sit down to put a book together, you lay out all the pictures, and then you have the athlete comment on each of the pictures. No, not with Kobe. Kobe said, okay, in this next chapter, I want to talk about Dikembe Mutombo, but I want you to find a picture where you can show what I remember about Mutombo. Everybody used to remember him. Remember, he would wave your finger because he was a master at blocking shots. Kobe said to Andy Bernstein, you know how that guy blocked shots? He'd block them with his right hand. So everybody saw that. But what you didn't see was he'd use Mutombo, his left hand, to grab your shorts and actually pull you down. It wasn't the right hand that was blocking the shot. With his other hand, it was like David Copperfield, the magician. He'd be pulling you down. So he'd say to Andy Bernstein, I need you to find a picture of me being guarded by Mutombo, and I need the picture to show the left hand grabbing my shorts, pulling me down. He said, that's exactly how they put the book together. He would have all these anecdotes. Okay, I want you to find a picture that shows this. So in other words, he wrote the copy of the book and then made him find pictures to illustrate what he was talking about. That is why that book is so special. That's why Kobe Bryant was so special. And that's why it is such a joy when Rebecca plays Kobe saying Dr. Clapper every Saturday. And why, as much as we are Laker fans, we are all Kobe Bryant fans. And that's why having Andy Bernstein come on is such a treat for us on the Weekend Warrior Show. Coming up next, I'm going to tell some stories. Some stories about the power of hair. What do I mean? You'll understand. Coming up next, and don't forget, we got to talk about food. Oh, do I have a food? And it ain't angel hair pasta. I didn't take the easy way out. I actually have a food that looks like my bald head with hair popping up on top. I'll explain. Coming up next, right here on the Weekend Warrior Show on 710 ESPN.